Welcome. Bonjour. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. You're listening to the Dirty Feet podcast on the No More Radio Network. Nous sommes vos animateurs et animatrices. We are your hosts, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Listen in. Écoutez. We're going to move you. Hello, this is Stephanie Morin-Robert. I'm here in Vancouver, British Columbia for another episode of Dirty Feet. Um, as you know, we've been touring across the country uh, for the last three months uh, with For Body and Light. And now that that's over, I've decided to extend my visit out west. And I have the pleasure of uh, continuing interviews here in Vancouver. Uh, so today we have the pleasure of having David McMurray-Smith with us uh, for a discussion about his artistic journey and also uh, about a company that he's currently running here uh, in the Vancouver area. So over the last 40 years, uh, David has performed uh, and worked professionally in the areas of theater, ballet, opera, mime, and clown as a creator, a performer, a director, a choreographer, and an educator. So um, definitely a perfect candidate for this type of interview. Uh, he is a movement specialist, body worker, creative, and uh, performance consultant, and an experienced counselor who's taught at several universities, was head instructor at the Vancouver Playhouse Theater School, was the movement director, for the music, theater, and opera programs at the Banff Center for the Arts and has also been a guest resource artist at the People's Light and Theater Company in Philadelphia. Um, and, I mean, that's only the tip of the iceberg, so it's an extreme pleasure to have you here and thank you for accepting to have this conversation with me today. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, so your first formal education began uh, quite a few years ago at University of Massachusetts um, <laughs> when uh, you, ha you kind of embarked on a double major in theater and dance. What made you decide to do a double major? And <laughs> what was your first experience like as a student? Well, I, uh, I began uh, actually, and I was in pre-med in, in university when I started. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd pre-tested for that program, uh, and that was always my intention growing up, to be a doctor. Um, yet, the day I arrived on campus, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have me as an existing participant in that program, or even a student on campus. Uh, and it turned out that there had been a, a mistake in the recording of uh, of an individual who had withdrawn. There were five David Smiths in my class, oh, really? a very large class, and um, they had a, was pre-computer, so they, they had a, a typo, and they didn't. The middle initial of the individual who had withdrawn was uh, middle initial was N, like for Norman, and my middle initial is M, Mac Murray, and they had typed an an M instead of an N. And therefore, I was uh, dropped from everything. Wow. Uh, and that individual was still in their class, but they weren't there. <laughs> so, so it was a great confusion, and I lost all of my courses. And there was a waiting list, so people just slotted right in. So I had to beg my way into a few of the courses that I needed, but I had to fill it up with other stuff. And uh, 
one of the things that I stuffed in there was an introduction to theater course because I'd done theater in church groups in high school and things. And, uh, and in that situation, um, discovered that there was an awful lot of um, uh, high-end academics in, at, at that time. In the early 70s, uh, bedside manner wasn't necessarily an attribute in studying to be a doctor. And so I, I worked very hard and diligently and maintained an 85 average, and that, that was nowhere near the competition rate of 99+. plus. To, in order to get into, and I, so I, re, I, I was confused and realized I was not sure what was going to happen next, and in the meantime, I took theater. Uh, and in the meantime, after that, uh, my first uh, romantic girlfriend was uh, a senior at the time and had been in the dance department, um, and they needed men, as they seemed at that time always to need. Uh, so I was kind of introduced into the dance world that way uh, and became aware that uh, of both enjoying both and also recognizing that dance was probably the hardest thing I'd ever encountered in my life to do. Uh, I'd grown up and did a lot of work on a farm and a lot of physical territory, but uh, this was totally different. And so it became this over the time that it, that it was by a circumstance of that error that I ended up working in and focusing in the, in the performing arts, and then the double major became something that was an option uh, by creating, I had to create my own form uh, for it. They had the opportunity to do an individual concentration degree. And the rest begins to be kind of a, a journey of uh, working in different fields, uh, all movement-based, uh, the route. Um, and that was the intrigue at the time. So that was the main initiation into the yeah, field of... Oh, wow, <laughs> that's really interesting. So from there, after uh, graduating from uh, the university, mm -hmm. you moved to New York. I did, yeah. And uh, what, was, what was that transition like, going from Massachusetts to, to New York? Uh, the, it was like culture shock. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> I was, my, the town I grew up in had 1,800 people in it. It was mm. small. Uh, and... The university was big enough in that respect. You know, it was a it's a large university, uh, and that was that was a shock in itself too. I had kind of acclimatized to that, and it was rather a, a, a cold-hearted decision at that time to you know, not cold-hearted, but I, I guess rational to say, well, mm. uh, while my body is young enough, I guess I'll focus on this dance thing. Yeah, and become a and take the you took the. Uh, Jeffrey Ballet yeah, program. The yeah, I went down program. and and, uh, and auditioned a, a few places to see about getting into program in New York. Uh, my first choice was the Joffrey um, because of what they, the quality of uh, neoclassical mm -hmm. uh, and theatrical, uh, the nature of their of their range that they had, and they worked with many different techniques. Mm -hmm. They weren't focused in a singular framework as much as. Uh, American Ballet Theater in New York City. They, they were uh, so they had a my background as a was because I started only when I was seventeen, eighteen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd intensely studied for for five years, but uh, or four years. But then I, you know, I I wasn't I hadn't been pre trained as a classical classical. Yeah. Uh, and I so I auditioned uh, and and got in there. Uh, on full scholarship, which was really wonderful. 
Um, and then moved to New York, and that was the culture shock. Of, mm-hmm. I was never so lonely in a place with so many people in my life. Uh, every at, through that time that I was I was in New York, uh, so there was a lot of. Um, I'll honestly say there, there was a fair amount of tears <laughs> and scared. And you were uh, twenty, fear. about twenty-one. I was then? twenty. I was twenty, just just almost twenty-one at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, just. And how was that on the body to to kind of dive in headfirst into a, a intensive training in in ballet? I was pretty well prepared for that from mm-hmm. the from the work at at, uh, at university because it was an intense focus there as well. Um, and also, it was um, more so. Let's put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. In this, because of the the, the dramatic intensity with which uh, the specification of the work was um, was much more focused. You, you know, that was all pretty much. I was doing other. I was still doing theater classes, yes, and mime and classes, mime. and stuff <laughs> yeah. on the side, and jazz classes with Luigi uptown. And mm-hmm. uh, but the, that main focus was really, really strong. Um, and so they, I had, the way I had trained and what I had done had, of course, shaped my muscular, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, form. And, and I was told also that, uh, to, to stop stretching because I was not as strong as I was flexible. Uh, and so the, so began a, a a shaping of, of focus in the different styles of ballet, Mm uh, with with the royal and the Chiquetti and the Russian and yeah. the the different backgrounds uh, and men's class was a new thing to me at that time as well um, which was were you often the only men uh, in in class training for ballet and this was this it, kind of the starting oh yeah point we of... were I was just one of the a bunch mm. I was you know I was not at university there was a few yeah in uh, here of course there were lots in New York lots yeah. of men. Uh, so it was a it was a different experience to actually have a, you know a group of twenty five thirty people men in the room mm-hmm. uh, simultaneously doing a focus on men's uh, men's dance men's ballet uh, aspects of that uh, power focus and and aerial and so forth mm. you know so yeah that was a new that was a quite a new adventure and. Uh, and I felt, I just felt very, uh, I, I guess you say very alert, alert, yeah. <laughs> per- periodically terrified <laughs> in relation to, you know, getting and learning and, mm-hmm. and holding the, the scholarship and, uh, and being, uh, and just being good, I guess, that, that drive yeah. at that age, you know, like, I, I, I have to get this, I have to get this, and yeah. Uh, and everybody was so intensely myopically focused in, on what their life was doing that um, it was very difficult to have much of a, a much camaraderie or relationship with others. In yeah. the, you know, there's a competition, there's a sense of competition very high uh, in, the, in the environment. And did you, what was the difference between the environment? Because you did continue mime and theater studies mm-hmm. while you were at the Jeffrey Ballet. Mm-hmm. And um, did you find, because I think at this point, after, after your time at the ballet, you decided to uh, move to Canada, right? Yeah. Shortly yeah, after I, that. Yeah, I did. 
Um, for Les Ballet Jazz de, de Montréal. Yes, in, in that was when so they first when, became incorporated as a company. Yeah, yeah. and what, that decision of jumping from... Uh, Back again into... <laughs> <laughs> to more, to a different style again. Yeah, because you were taking jazz uh, when you were in yes. New York. And was there something that sparked that or a the, desire to leave the company and move to Canada? Well, the the, uh, the training program with the Joffrey um, was one that... Um, I, I I truly loved it, and at the mm -hmm. same time, the jazz teacher that I had, whose name was Richard Jones, mm -hmm. uh, had worked with a woman named Eva von Genshi, uh and taught her as well. And she had she was one of the, the co-founders of probably the main inspiration for Le Ballet Jazz in the beginning. Oh. And uh, and because she and Richard had worked together and trained and trained together, and he'd been also a teacher. And a it felt familiar. Felt familiar, and, and there was also that connection mm -hmm. that Richard, who was my jazz teacher at university, had said uh, had had been in contact with Ava, and Ava said, "Well, we're starting a company, and um, you know, we're, lo we're we're looking for men, male dancers," and so mm -hmm. Richard. So, well, I, I know this guy, and, <laughs> and so it started that way. It started through that, oh, wow. that personal connection, of unintended networking, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, so I was put in touch with Le Ballet Jazz, with, with Eva and uh, Madame Salvin, who was the co-founder co uh, of Zwell, co-founders, and um, came, came up uh, to what I thought was actually, in my naive way, uh, actually a job. So I gave up my apartment in New York. I gave up my scholarship oh my and f flew up to Montreal. And like, again, this is just, you know, a small town kid still feeling like out of his depth. Yeah. And a new, not only, you know, it was a new country, but it was also one that had a language that I was only slightly familiar with from, mm -hmm. from school. Uh, so it was a new adventure and a scary one at the same time. But I arrived on April Fool's Day, 1975, <laughs> <laughs> which coincidentally oh, was, no. <laughs> was also the and immigration uh, was held up for about four hours. Well, and they ended up getting uh, I don't know if it was Eva or I can't remember which member of the uh, whether it was Madame Salbin or, uh, or, or Eva who came. I think it was I think it was Jean-Vierre Salbin who came and. Um, to the airport, if I recall correctly, and clarified that, yeah, indeed, I had been invited up, and n in fact, no, this was a two-week working audition. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which put a little, again, a little f more fuel on the fire to be uh, focused with what I was doing. <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, it turned out that, uh, that they did they did like me and then they just had to prove that they weren't taking any Canadian jobs away mm -hmm. and that began my my life here in Canada yeah and you've been here ever since I have yeah and you also had um, you also worked with uh, Compagnie to Danse Entre Six et les Grands Ballets Canadiens yes was that um, with, for contracts or for a long period of time or after les Grands Ballets uh, les after Ballets les Ballets yeah mm -hmm. yeah it um Again, a kind of the, uh, a circumstance that in which um, romance was a part, I suppose. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> the uh, one of the women who was in the eventually came to Les Ballets Jazz uh, w had been in Les Grands, mm -hmm. and um, we struck up a relationship and ended up 
becoming a married couple at that time. <laughs> and, uh, and that she went back to Les Grands, and, and I was, had always had in my head that that would be a pinnacle of what I would call success for myself was to, to actually get into a ballet company, a real yeah. ballet yeah. company. Uh, not, not, to di- not to discount the, the, or, or have disrespect for, for Les Ballet Jazz at all, but that, that it, in yeah. my mind, you know, of I course. was going think, ah, ah. so I, uh, I, I, I auditioned. Uh, and I'd also, uh, first with Lawrence Gratis uh, and, at Entrecis, Mm-hmm. Which was also a lovely, very small, but uh, six, I think six dancers and very, very wonderful little ensemble. Uh, and, and he was a, a very innovative um, choreographer, w- wonderful, wonderful uh, choreographer. And I, I always enjoyed what they did. And then it turned out that I had that period of time, which is about eight, about eight months mm-hmm. with that company, and did a did a tour with them, uh, and then. My audition with Les Grands was accepted, so they they took me even without my great feet. Uh, <laughs> uh, and because again, they were they were they contemporary, mm-hmm. and progressively adding more contemporary work or modern, I guess they, at the time we we called it, uh, into the repertoire. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't purely classical. Uh, and because I had that and the theatrical background, I, I started to f- I fit in quite nicely and had the opportunity to advance to uh, as to a soloist in the in the ballet terms because they're more hierarchical mm-hmm. in uh, in the class that you were dancing in. And because uh, when the choreographers came, they um, they would audition the the company for what they wanted. It wasn't mm-hmm. just given to soloists and, and principal dancers necessarily. They wanted to see everybody because they wanted to see who, who would fit what they wanted to do, what they were setting on the company. Yeah. So um, in, that, in that situation, I, was, I fit into and could, was chosen um, in, the, in some of the modern with, uh, um, with the companies that were coming up some of them to do the choreographers um, and that was so that that was you know became something that then worked and the time frame that I was there was two two seasons two years hmm. uh, that uh, that I was moving with with the company so um, that was and it was you know it was a lovely situation and working with with uh, you know Brian McDonald was was uh, director uh, mm-hmm. uh, before and then uh, and then again and his choreography um, I he chose me to do some lovely you know, lovely pieces a piece with him that became quite um, known for the in the time that it was done uh, and John Butler. Um, uh, Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Taylor, um, oh, and the uh, oh gosh, the fellow who did Lenos at the time, and is Lar Lubavitch, hmm. you know, and it was some lovely, lovely work. And they've subsequent, it's ongoing. They have some great choreographers coming up to uh, set contemporary work on the company, and and so it was a it was a great experience. It was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. And after that, and after that, you decided to mainly focus on theater from that point. Yeah, I went on. back to theater and mm-hmm. actually focused on the physical theater training in mime, in mime and mm-hmm. uh, in clown through the through the um, fellow who was a certified Lecoq uh, teacher in um, 
in the physical theater training. Uh, and it wasn't... It, I decided to... Uh, yes, I, I found that I was... Um, it was a bit of feeling like I was didn't have enough freedom to find more of what was happening mm. in my desires as an artist. So to, a bit of a crave for Yeah, craving for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, it was a little bit felt like I had blinders on, come here, do this, get on the bus, get off the bus, do this show, you know, now do what this choreographer, choreographer asks for and so forth. Um, and I also had a, a, a very um, serious injury, a back injury, yeah. that... Uh, I recovered from and went back to the company and then realized that I had to monitor myself. And it was kind of a realization about um, more biomechanical appropriateness for myself. <laughs> and I had to take care of myself mm-hmm. in, in, more specifically because of the, the nature of the and severity of the back injuries that I had sustained. Uh, so I had to be more in charge. And, mm-hmm. and so it, be, it was, um, it seemed appropriate. And so I went back to, mm-hmm. For more training and, and connecting more into that area again, and um, and that was in Toronto, and uh, and then ended up being part of the that company, um, uh, Mime Company Unlimited at the time, and that that school with Ron East had had evolved from uh, Canadian National Mime School, which had closed, and he he took the initiative to have his own school, which in history is it was there and then he moved to England and ran there for many years and I'm not sure where he is now I think he's back in Toronto again hmm. uh, um, but uh, so I and so that was a a 12 uh, a month focused time hmm. frame with with that again and getting it energized into that world again uh, and extending into yeah. into other areas of it yeah and your research, uh, I think you did extended research with Pachinko. Where was was that yeah. in Toronto, or was that? It was Montreal and Montreal. Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Um, during that time, uh, it was actually pretty much simultaneous that I was introduced uh, and became aware of Richard uh, and the clown. The, the clown approach through the Lecoq training uh, and the physical theater training and the mask training that is all part of that process. Uh, he was because the the instructor was following the pr- the procedures and methodologies that he trained in at Lecoq and was a certified teacher of it. And I, I was in I was how did I get touched with that? Oh, it's, I'm not sure exactly how I re- I can't quite remember how I got introduced to Richard, but it was I think it was, you know there was a, a poster on a a little handmade <laughs> mimeograph poster mm-hmm. uh, and that was something that, that um, caught my attention uh, there was a woman in Toronto named Naomi Tyrell who had uh, her own studio down in, <laughs> the, in a, an industrial area that was um, that we got into a, a, a kind of cargo elevator and shut the doors up they shut vertically and you rode up a little bit and went into this it was very interesting to... This was in Montreal? This was in Toronto. Okay, Toronto. So I was first there. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, and her, she taught mime. And so that was, you know, I was just kind of interested. And, and there was also a woman in, that I was studying mime with as well in, in Toronto, uh, Frau Tiltil, who was a marvelous corporal mime teacher. Um, and she was quite old at the time. Um, she has her own stories, an incredible artist story. Uh, background um, and so I was I was looking at the mime world so it was through Naomi that I met Richard 
Mm-hmm. And I started, and I did a, I did a, a neutral mask workshop with him while I was still studying neutral mask. At the t- happened to course, mm-hmm. be coincidental with what I was doing in the physical theater program, uh, and that it was just a convergence of circumstances. And then being aware and liking what I, I experienced with him, uh, we, I went was back in Montreal uh, mm-hmm. after conclusion that time, and so he was on the radar then. And then when I saw he was in in Montreal um, teaching, mm-hmm. going to teach uh, a, a course, uh, and, and I, that I I was also doing mime study with um, uh, at uh, Mime Omnibus in Montreal with Denise Belanger and uh, Jean Eslen, uh and their their brilliant work with with the corporal mime training, and I was just steady on training with them and. Uh, and I was, my marriage had fallen apart, uh, and I was doing different things around uh, in in television work and various things in 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 teaching in Montreal, and so I then I took class with with Richard. I took the clown course with Richard, um, and that was you know I I would, had helped uh, Linda Rabin at the time in Montreal. Um, Help open her first studio, and it, again, it was in this. And it was a wonderful little. It was a building, and there was lots of great space in it. I don't know. I just wish there was some like that out here. Uh, <laughs> and w- we created a helped her open and create, and you know, painting and cleaning and setting up the stuff. And and Richard was going to do his class there, so uh, I did a class with him there, and it was a singular mass class. It wasn't the whole program because he, at that time of of the clown procedure, as he was innovating it and developing it at the time, it was a single mask work that he first did, uh, and then uh, a year later, I I took it again. I don't go into the great detail about it, but the uh, we weren't allowed to play our own mask in the first time. Somebody else did, and we played mm. somebody else's. And then a year later, we were allowed to go back and play our first one. So it was quite a, you know, it was a... a pro- the first one you The first one I had made year. a year ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and by that time, we, so that, that experience was there. And then, then I did the, the six mask, um, clown through mask course that he was teaching at the time, at that time as well and developing that. Um, so over a period, uh, along with some other, a couple of other particular classes with, with Richard, that it was a period of about four years that I was doing intensive workshops and other mm-hmm. and different other things as well and then back in and doing the mime uh, with uh, Mimo Omnibus and uh, television work and teaching and surviving mm-hmm. that way in, around uh, Montreal uh, and uh, and so over that four year period was working in the with the corporal mime as well as, mm-hmm. as with Richard um, yeah yeah uh, and that's where the segue happened into uh, Banff. Banff, yeah. Yeah. Which you were involved with uh, for about eight years. Yeah. Yeah, I was. It was, um, and they overlapped slightly. So I'd be out of Banff and then back mm-hmm. in the summer in Montreal uh, studying like again and doing so. It was lovely. Yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty, um, pretty fortunate. Yeah. 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 Well, tell us about your experience with the Banff Center for the Arts. You were invited uh, first to do movement work with. Yes, um, actually. 
to be dance teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, they were developing a, a program. They'd done a pilot project for what they called a music theater program hmm. uh, that was going to be, that if it was accepted, they would have a you know, winter, a whole, a whole year, more or less, uh, well, year, an academic year, September to, to May, uh, or April. And, uh, and it was to be intended to be, uh, a field for triple threat performers, <laughs> uh, to, and to create new opera, mm-hmm. new opera was the intention. And, and I, uh, I did get hired as the dance component of that program Mm -hmm. and our first year out there um we uh i started to be a a thorn in the artistic director's side (laughs) by and poking him constantly in that first first term to say um you know we ought to do some mask we ought to do some clown we ought to do we ought to do pushing 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 and uh so I was I I had I created my own methodology of approach to for this program, and uh, and began a great learning experience for myself in that. I um, because I think that when you want to share your experience with others, uh, it's a fascinating thing to do, and it's a great learning experience to be. And mm-hmm. I be, I fell in love with uh, being a facilitator and instructing. Um, fortunately. Because that's also been a, a very great support in the process of, of the journey of all the way up to uh, all now. All to now, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's been a, a and it, because I had the for, fortune of enjoying it a great deal, it became a vocation, um, and it continues to be hmm. a very, very strong one. Um, you helped develop a program uh, here at a college in Vancouver, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, that involves a theater as a therapeutic. Uh, art form. Um, yes, so maybe yes, talk actually, about that a little bit, and yeah. if, if, um, if yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, I'll take it back briefly to, to the pro. This program at, at Banff mm-hmm. um, was one that uh, became a two-year program mm-hmm. quite quickly. They decided we're going to add oh, another yeah. year for those some of some of whom were in the first year and do a touring program with a show and so forth. So during that time was. Um, and being being part of creating a methodology for for a new quote idea yeah. uh, in approach to uh, creative work um, became a real mainstay in in my experience as well of of being in the foundation of of creating work mm-hmm. uh, and that that's been a major part of my my experience of uh, discovering and new formulas for creating work and new formulas for developing ensemble uh understanding more about the psychology of and politics mm-hmm. of ensemble creation uh has been a that started in in um in Banff at the program, at the program because of being a part of that and continued uh until when I did leave there uh I I again met a wall of saying well this is this is limiting and the mm-hmm. the center is is could be much more uh, they have much more potential than I felt felt was being realized mm-hmm. um, and my own artistic desires were were needing so mm-hmm. i i I left the program and did a an intense 
again, an intense year of study in, um, with Linda Putnam in Massachusetts, who is Grotowski background. Yeah. And that work fed in another thread of the, of the stuff that will make sense later. Getting, I'll get back to your question. <laughs> um, and out of that year coming then to Vancouver, uh, and the second program that I developed, what was a major part in, in developing the methodology for, was the, the um, uh, Vancouver Playhouse Theatre School. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- and we did that's, that was a two-year program focused on one group. We didn't take people in every two years, every year. We just once for two years. Then I did two, pr- two rounds of, of, developing, uh, of working and developing and then working those programs, which was also... An, great opportunity and a great challenge and a great reward uh kind of consider it my postgraduate education hmm. uh both those both the, the experiences and and out of all of that when the playhouse theater school out here when the board decided they they weren't going to have a school anymore i was kind of set adrift and in that being set adrift was when i started my own program uh and my own th- my own studio Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was kind of again a, 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 an intention to to let go of my um, allegiance to any particular form of theater mm-hmm. or any particular group. Where, so and and get out and see. Okay, what if I let go of of my my own compliance issues <laughs> to be a good team member or to follow mm-hmm. the rules and all mm-hmm. Then what's going to happen? And that opened up the door for. Uh, for me to be to gradually discover that clown was kind of an umbrella over everything, because mm. they it allowed me to move from place to place and and be intermodal, if you wish. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, there's I can I can draw from the the opera program, the opera territory, because I've got very involved in in that world, uh, and uh, both in training as well as. Um, uh, choreography and movement direction and direction mm-hmm. and so forth. So the, on stage and off stage, all these elements were drawn, started to be drawn together and make sense and fit. And I had different vocabularies that I could draw from, from my own experience mm-hmm. uh, as seemed and would be uh, appropriate and, and valuable in any given situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that process again was a rec- that's a clown process for me just being able to oh be in this world be in that world you know it's, I don't have to be I don't have to be owned by any single world mm-hmm. of uh, form of, of of art but uh, and that in fact art my allegiance wasn't to art <laughs> it wasn't mm. it was to human beings yeah uh, I experienced a lot of people who in my t- experience in teaching that had um, uh, a strong a strong focus on result, uh, and that's fine. You have to have that. And at the same time, they were overriding the way that people were being treated in the training and in the production world. Uh, the artists were often being treated very poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and overriding the, the process. Overriding too. the process and overriding their in, their voice. Mm-hmm. They weren't even being trained to have a voice of their own. It's changing more now these days. Uh, to that individual dancers' voices, individual our mm-hmm. actors are you know of their what what's their intention? Where so is their voice? So kind of fitting in the mold instead of creating the mold. That's to fit right. Into. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the clown fits in that covers that territory as well to meet your own world. What is your own world? You mm-hmm. know, you're going to associate with experience, but do you have to necessarily fit into someone else's model uh, of it? 
uh, and that's been that just satisfied the rebel in me anyway, so it was fine. But uh, in the process of that, all that this collection of uh, uh, experience and even even the originating desire to be a doctor, and all the the, the, mm. the exploring of of the psychology of acting and the psychology of creation and the uh, all the circumstances, you know, my own studies and, and explorations of into that those aspects of things and through the new age world with you know different spiritualities and various extended experiences uh you know that still are occurring for people in terms of ex- of opening up their existential questions and uh the the clown world overarched all of that because it's intermodal because it's individual is uh uniquely yours even though everybody's you're human it's mm-hmm. uniquely a, an experience of each person and in that, an individual uh, took my 12-week program uh, in an intensive in clown and uh, was uh, an expressive arts therapist mm-hmm. and, and was very excited by the way that it worked and what the way I articulated the work. And the process. And the process, mm-hmm. because it was intermodal. You know, there's painting, mm-hmm. there's sculpting, there's, there's dress-up, there's character, there's mm-hmm. relationship of communication. It's, it's a it's hugely rich thing that, that uh, the style that Richard created with the making of masks and, uh, uh, and the playing of the form uh, within them and then the, the clown playing amongst them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that really um, was a process that he wanted very much to have in, his, in a program because he and his wife wanted to create a program here to certify uh, expressive arts therapists. And they, this expressive arts therapy is uh, a program that, uh, or a, and a convention of, of approach that allows a, a relationship of the imagination to, uh, and the changing forms that the imagination can take and appreciates yeah. that. So it isn't, a, it isn't looking through it through a single lens, except the lens of, ima- of opening up imagination mm-hmm. and expression of imagination. So the forms, the, uh, the, the therapist can follow and work mm-hmm. with the forms that, and change the forms that the imagination takes as it, uh, as it occurs with the individual who's, uh, who's being the client, if you wish, and, mm-hmm. in, uh, kind of those terms um, and 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 because I'd had these um, experiences of develop of developing uh, methodologies for programs and uh, I had done it three times by that time the third time was with uh, full circle first nations performance here in Vancouver which I uh, helped and, and developed a, a two-year program for that training and ran it out of my studio with uh, uh, with Margot Kane uh, in here in Vancouver, um, so I'd had a lot of experience with developing programs, uh, mm-hmm. and I lent that as a part of a founding member of that of the uh, program for the Expressive Arts Therapy Training Program at through continuing ed here at Langara, uh, and that's been running now ten years and it's very very successful. The people working with it, it's very successful, and uh, I teach one uh, one component in that. Which is uh, a version of the uh, the mask uh, mm-hmm. clown training um, to provide them with an experience of intermodal work and to mm-hmm. open and connect with 
themselves uh, and recognize yeah. the, the values of that self-realization and an invitation uh, to their own imagination. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and and uh, and it. I orient that the uh, the principles of the work to to the therapeutic process for that program, mm-hmm. um, but those principles are 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 part of every yeah everything that's uh, in that work. And mm-hmm. uh, I so Richard Richard had a had a. A, uh, a realization or a, a vision to help free people hmm. the, uh, uh, had, that felt people were, were were trapped in wanting to get out hmm. of the of the uh, the forms that they um, they were holding the held pressure in the of pressures of the models and yeah. the behaviors and the things they're supposed to do and and all that so that voice was a natural hmm. part of me wanting to help people come and find that. Uh, find their own voice mm-hmm. beyond and and utilizing the skill and result training that they already had uh, in the opera it was there, you know as in dance uh, uh, and even in acting that the there are some very strong forms that are are uh, are, are essential in the work uh, and in that also how do you bring the fire of your mm-hmm. your own intention and your own voice to it as an in, as an individual artist uh, and still fit within these tight Hmm. tight forms that are being asked for and that's a, that's a, that's a very much an intrigue of mine as much as also the the uh the extension beyond that to let those things then ex- becomes become mm-hmm. uh out of what you don't know yet uh meeting the unknown in that process uh of becoming Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as an artist and and for me the 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 personal development it goes hand in hand with the artistic development uh, and the, so that your relationship with how you're doing what you're doing and the investigation and openness to, with which to meet the the unknown mm-hmm. in yourself to actually meet newness and discovery mm-hmm. rather than filling a model but not disrespecting the form, yet recognizing how the form can reveal things in you if you are open to receive what comes out of you or each of us in the process of that. And I do feel that that is a, a key factor in, in, the, in the artistic expression um, with, on many, many levels. Uh, it's all valuable um, for where... Where the format of expression, which I feel is our body, mm-hmm. uh, our breath, our imagination, and our emotions, um, comes through, the, it comes out, and how how to value that, um, and technically guide it, uh, understand the structures of your own intentions as you begin to have a sense of intention, uh, of what is the source of inspiration for doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ride it kind of naively. Uh, naturally and and committing to that is very important and then gradually being able to to see more of the quote logic to it Hmm. the emotional logic the rational logic the physiological logic that uh, as it aligns itself in an individual you you see a fire of of motivation just take leaps and bounds and the articulation that's brought into whatever form they're, they're bringing becomes much more refined as as they sense the anchor or root of intention mm. behind it for themselves, 
and we will try you have to try on different ones you know and usually <laughs> it might just be to please mom and dad you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, or something you know or a teacher or and then gradually you know more and more it's like a radar trying to hone in on on a focus of uh of uniquely individual hmm. whether or not it seems to be somebody else's or not you know and, that's one one aspect I think of 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 artistry that um, that created individuals who had the power to stick and stay true to their course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martha Graham, Jose Limon, mm-hmm. Louis Horace. I mean, you can name in dance and, and in yeah. theater. Uh, you know, uh, very uh, very very you know, Joe Joe Chaikin, uh, Rutowski, um Charles Ludlam, Theater of the Ridiculous, the, the, the people who did amazing, individual, unique things because they had the, the fortunately or, or unfortunately, uh, had the, the wherewithal to, to have a vision and mm-hmm. see it through. It's and all no, quite yeah. different work, but what brings them all together as artists is the fact that it's a very humanistic approach yes. to, to um, artistic growth and, and personal growth. Yeah, yeah, and that and that that for me was a realization in the mid '80s that my allegiance was to human beings, as as I feel art sprang from human beings rather than human beings supposed to being applied to some art, hmm. uh, which you know different people have different opinions about. But um, but I feel that uh, the more an individual is grounded in their own uh, focus of intention, uh, the motivation. Uh, the fire of motivation is much more evident in their work, um, and they own it when they own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- even as they work together in in something as meticulously challenging as uh, the Firebird or or, or um, mm-hmm. Swan Lake, you know, if, mm-hmm. even if you're in the chorus, how 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 is what you're doing being how do you frame it? How does it fit in your world mm-hmm. uh, one way or another? And I think those who who can who have a drive like that and there's varying varying levels of it. People are satisfied in different different dimensions of that. but if if it, if it can ignite that spark, mm-hmm. I feel it's very powerful for an, for someone to uh, it's a scary thing mm-hmm. because you have to take risks for yourself and yeah. you might you might, you know, if you're if you're out there, uh, the leading edge of your own uh, creation of things. Uh, I, I often describe it for for people uh, in my own from my own experience as feeling like you're you're the leading edge of your of your own um, your own process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's no references out there. You're, you're, if you're the first speck of light in the darkness, all you see ahead of you is darkness, mm-hmm. and you have to turn around to see the light. Uh, and so you can back off the speed of that and have some light in front of you, and you need to do that. But but when you're if you're really out there creating, as they say, cutting edge things, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're cutting edge for the for the world, or but they might be it's going to be cutting edge for for the individual. Mm-hmm. And as you meet and can meet that edge mindfully, the, the cutting edge of what you know, and you're inspired by that and challenged by that and. Uh, capable of sustaining yourself in that process, uh, then it's it's a very uh, the, that process will 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 have results, uh, maybe surprising ones. Because mm-hmm. my journey, as I so far, is still I look back at it and can make sense of it. I had no idea 
in the process of doing the whole thing that it would be as curly cured fractile as it as it has been uh, or, or what sense it would be it seems to make more sense now as I'm in my mid 60s than it did when I was 25 <laughs> <laughs> So it's been quite the uh, journey. Um, I mean, back in 1995, you founded the Fantastic Space Enterprises Studio, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of what you're sharing right now. I believe yeah. that's what you put into um, into that yeah. the the classes you offer and 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 uh, your your direction as a facilitator for, mm-hmm. for the arts. Um, what impact would you like to leave on the community? here, uh, not necessarily in Vancouver, but wherever it is your, whoever has the pleasure of encountering um, <laughs> you, what's the impact you'd like to leave? Or the imposition, depending on your point of view. <laughs> uh, or the influence. Mm-hmm. Um, the influence. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, th- I guess that's an interesting question to try and encapsulate, but I, I, I do feel that the core of it is... Uh, is supporting that unique point of view mm-hmm. um, that each individual has uh, and the capacity to share that point of view in some form uh, so that we can create, so that a, 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 you can bring new awareness to others, with others. Uh, and that that's fantastic. That's the fantastic space that that um, that Richard brought forward and coined in his work. Um, that there's a we when you're performing, hmm. and if you know your who you are at the moment, <laughs> and you're honest about it, and you're sharing and acknowledging the relationship with other in the communication, your list the way the quality of listening and the quality quality of engagement in relationship in communication is heightened uh, and lots can be different aspects of can be carried of, of information in that in that relationship but that that we can meet the strength and appreciation that that personal and and professional go hand in hand and that they're not mutually exclusive mm-hmm. uh, and that they feed each other in a win-win situation in a healthy way that's not that that isn't a corrosive uh sense of oppression that sometimes in some forms in my experience in all the areas of training can can sometimes be very harsh and humiliating mm-hmm. uh that uh that there's a that that quality of gaining the strength to have your own direct perception uh and to do that is very is a very um empowering thing to do uh, uh, as well as a very scary thing to do and in doing that reaching that territory of, of even even creating a whole new vocabulary if necessary mm-hmm. uh, demonstrated as, as in gr- strong form uh, uh, let's say Martha Graham her own whole technique uh, or Artaud and, and Beckett in the theater of the absurds, you know, the, 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 the way that, that this is, I've got to find the form that expresses what I have to say. And I'll go and take any form and mix anything together and create new words or whatever I need to do to do it. Uh, to have that strength, uh, 
and to have this in that strength have the courage uh, and uh, ability to stay to stay the course for that mm. and survive <laughs> because it it's a drive that can be maddening it can and and can feel very very alone mm. uh, uh so that an appreciation of solitude, if you wish, <laughs> and not not only aloneness, but it's it's that that kind of of recognizing that the human body, the human spirit, is born with all the faculties to do that, and every one of us goes and does it somehow. Uh, evidence you can speak to anybody, whether uh, and look in the world and see how much we appreciate and can admire people who go through you know, tremendously difficult experiences and come through them. Uh, there, is a, there is a natural ability within all of us mm -hmm. to meet our own unknowns and thrive through them. Uh, and for artists who, who have the privilege, I guess, uh, or, the, or the insanity to, to, to make forms of it, to make artifacts, to express them through that. And addition, this is an addition of reality. This is an addition of my experience of, of humanity or my, my comment about this and this and this, or whatever form it may take. Uh, to, have this, to have that strength to do that and to support the foundational, pro foundational processes that can be owned by those individuals so that they can continue to be strategizing how mm. to be the cutting edge of their own <laughs> yeah. ongoing, wherever it may go. So the principles, I think that principle-centered approach of, uh, of training in the, uh, that, that allows that and challenges people to recognize that in, inborn strength that we have mm. and to renew it into, into, uh, our, with our present experience and to, to renew it into action. So that, uh, as Richard would say, the innocence and the experience are coincidental, hmm. and you need to you need to, as the clown, hold both polarities in in a dynamic balance uh, <laughs> of argument <laughs> together to to, uh, to stay on top and enjoy uh, and have the courage to meet the those unknowns as they come, mm -hmm. uh, because there are times you're not going to be supported in what you think is necessary <laughs> and uh, and that calls a lot of different things to the fore in our mm -hmm. in our fears in our in our rebellions in our all the different ways that it can take shape all of which are uh, material and source for the very thing that we're doing uh, mm -hmm. simultaneously I don't know about no, that. that's um, great. Does it make any sense? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Thank it's, you it's, it's, so it's, much it's for so much sharing, fun. and it's uh, been a great pleasure. Uh, um, we've been uh, talking to David McMurray-Smith, um, and he guided us through his artistic journey as uh, a theater, ballet, opera, mime, clown, creator, performer, director, choreographer, <laughs> and all those fun things, and most of all, educator. So thank you for, um, thanks for all of that. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening.
The Dirty Feet podcast is produced and hosted by Produit et animé par Alison Burns J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Morin-Robert We have Mainline Theatre, Montreal Improv Theatre and Paula Flalo to thank Merci pour le soutien Vous pouvez visiter notre site web, écouter les derniers épisodes, lire notre blog, nous aimer sur Facebook et nous suivre sur Twitter You can visit our website, listen to past episodes, read our blog, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter Show us some love and help us spread the word. Montrez-nous un peu d'amour et aidez-nous à passer le mot.